Welcome to another episode of Internet Marketing for Smart People Radio. My name is Robert Bruce, and I am on the line with Sonia Simone and Brian Clark. Sonia, you are the Chief Marketing Officer and Senior Editor of Copyblogger Media. Um, did you have any thoughts on title changes this week that you wanted to make? Yes, this week I am Chief Firefly Officer, even though I don't actually get to be the captain. Hmm. Uh, that that post, you know, I looked at it and I was like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all these fanatical Firefly fans come swarming around. Our pal Joe Hall wrote a post last week over at marketingpilgrim.com titled, Content Marketing is Bullshit. And in short, he makes this case that your products and services should be so amazing in and of themselves that they sell themselves, independent of any need for content marketing. Then... Our pal Lisa Barone over at OutspokenMedia.com wrote a response to her pal Joe Hall, excoriating his opinion. She states, quote, Your great product, much like your great unique content, dies without your ability to promote and market it. Sonia, which one of our pals is in the wrong here? Well, I realize that everybody would love to see us, you know, take Joe out back and give him a good kicking, but... I'm sorry, I just can't resist a great link bait headline. I think it's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, do we think content marketing is bullshit? We actually do not think content marketing is bullshit. But kudos to him for um, pulling together a lot of conversation and interesting points and then kind of making some sneaky points of his own um, in Under the Radar. So go, Joe. Well done. Well played, sir. But, yeah, I got I to gotta give this one to Lisa in terms of actual factual correctness. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. What it, what does content marketing actually do in the best sense when it when it's used correctly, when it's done well? What does it do? Yeah, I want to talk about what it does and then I want Brian to talk a little bit about what it does not necessarily do. The first thing content marketing does and a lot of content marketing only does this is it gets attention. Because if you can't get somebody's attention, if you can't pull somebody's Attention in from this sort of crazy hypermedia saturated, you know, everybody sees 14,000 ads every day reality, then you can't do any of the rest of it. So if nothing else, content is really awesome for attracting attention, for finding new people, for getting people to know who you are. One of the great examples being Will It Blend? which is not exactly, you know, it's the series of video where they, they have the blender blending, you know, an iPhone. Okay, nobody needs to know if the blender can blend an iPhone. It's not like a normal household requirement. But it's awesome. And, you know, like when you see a iPhone in a blender, you've got to share that. It's just there's no way you cannot share that. So the first thing it does is attracts attention. Good content marketing then goes on to show people that you're not a, you're not a sleaze, you know, the, and you're not a moron. So the old salesman's kind of hack phrasing still works, which is you got to get people to know, like, and trust you. And content marketing is awesome for that. And if people know, like, and trust you enough, then the selling part gets a lot easier. But Brian, do you want to talk about what you don't think content marketing is particularly good for? Let me let me break in here real quick, though, Sonia, because I like yeah. that the first point you made in, on attention. You know, one of Joe's points was that if the product is amazing if the product itself is good it should be good enough to garner that attention yeah, yeah but i mean joe gave the example of what the KitchenAid appliance that his grandma bought during the golden years of no-brainer television advertising 
where you could literally buy market share and get a huge return on investment. We talked about this last week, um, and Godin in his book, his new book, you know, makes a great case for <clears throat> the people that understood that if they buy as many commercials as they could possibly get their hands on, that they could build an empire. And not even everyone got that, but KitchenAid did, right? So Joe's grandma was brought uh, to this product by a, a different form, a different medium, and a different approach that used to work like crazy and really doesn't so much anymore. Yeah, KitchenAid also benefits from a huge amount of product placement. So every time you watch a cooking show, if you're into cooking shows, you know, almost every celebrity cook uses a KitchenAid. It, it Which is a subtle form of content marketing. <laughs> yeah, it so. absolutely is because you're you're showing the product in use and it doesn't look like an ad, but it absolutely is an ad. I, I want to talk about that actually before we talk about what content marketing is not good for is a comment that was made on Lisa's post that I – I half agree with is somebody said content marketing is not new. It's been part of traditional advertising forever. Therefore, content marketing doesn't exist. It's just marketing. And I agree with the first half and I don't agree with the second half. Um, not There are other kinds of marketing besides content marketing. There are even other kinds of marketing that work. I, I hate to admit it, but it's true. You know, there not every kind of marketing is content marketing. I think if you say, well, content marketing is just marketing, you're missing out on it's going to be very hard for you to execute on it. Because you're going to look at this gigantic, amorphous ball of marketing reality and you're going to have no clue where to start with it. So I don't think that's helpful. I think that, you know, producing an interesting, valuable piece of content that says something about who you are and what you do is not the same thing as running most Super Bowl ads. It's not the same thing as running most magazine ads. It's not... It's not the same thing as running a classic direct response ad. Actually, it's not the same thing as a traditional landing page. It's it's different. Sonia, you asked earlier, you know, what is content not good at? And it's interesting because uh, Lisa, in her post, used our definition of content marketing from our Content Marketing 101 page in her post. And then in the comments, Joe, who was responding, obviously, and, and by the way, let me reiterate, Joe is a great guy. He's a friend of the company. He's a customer of the company. Um, and he was nice enough to point that out. But anyway, so he, he used, he repeated back that definition to the extent that it, you know, providing informative content that leads eventually to a customer or client relationship, I believe is what, how it reads. And he's like, when's the last time you read some content and just said, Oh, that was really informative. I think I'll buy something from these people. And it just doesn't work that way. And I think that was, you know, being a, a bit disingenuous in, in that sense, because Sonia's right. It's about no like and trust. Uh, most, and again, but as she said, it's about attracting attention in the first place. Just plain old awareness that you exist, which is really like a huge impediment if you're just getting started online. And Joe's been online since they invented it. I think maybe he's forgotten what it feels like to just be invisible. You know. Um, yeah. But there, there's a lot of people out there like that. And content is the way, you know, you, you will always remember that first big link you get, that big traffic spike where you're trying to keep your server up because you foolheartedly invested in GoDaddy hosting because you, <laughs> <laughs> until you made it big, not realizing that you don't make it big if your server crashes every time someone tweets your link. Anyway, it's not about selling directly. I mean, in the traditional sense, copy 
is intended to sell. Content is designed to attract and to get people to know, like, and trust you. But as Sonia pointed out, that's 85% of the battle. Attention, know, like, trust, offer. And then the offer is the 15%. That's the selling. That's the copy. That's the conversion. But, I mean, if you told me that if you do this, you're 85% of the way there to selling a bunch of stuff to a bunch of people, you got my attention. Yeah, I like what Sonia said. This is a very different thing from advertising. This is a very different thing even from direct response advertising and marketing. And I want to ask, just for those who may be new to this whole thing, let me read our definition, and it's a quote, of uh, what content marketing is and what it means. And then I want to ask you guys, what are some examples of different types of content marketing? So content marketing is creating and freely sharing informative content as a means of converting prospects into customers and customers into repeat buyers. Repeated and regular exposure builds a relevant relationship that provides multiple opportunities for conversion rather than a one-shot, all-or-nothing sales approach. So with that in mind, what are some examples and types of content marketing that we see, that we do ourselves, but that we also see done really well? I think I think I know one or two blogs that are good at it. Um, <laughs> the names, not, not many, but a few. Yeah, some, and uh, I don't know. What about uh, a podcast you call a radio show? Well, and I, I really did appreciate the woman's co- uh, comment on on Lisa's blog that it's not new because it's not new. I mean, soap operas from the nineteen fifties are content marketing. How so? Um, and in fact, even even more so, the early that early television product placement, where they're weaving a story, and a, a soap opera is a very particular kind of story. It's, I mean, serial fiction has a has really old, deep, amazing roots in our psyche, and, and I believe that stories are what make us people. And if you get a story that's got a hook every day at the end of it, and you got to tune in the next day to find out, it's awesome. But soap operas are called soap operas because they're designed to get, at that time, stay-at-home housewives, which was most married women with kids, to turn on the television to watch soap ads. <laughs> that's what soap operas are. That's what they were created for. Yeah, um, that's a, it's really an interesting story. I, I actually know this in, in fairly good detail because it was fascinating to me when I made the connection. But in the de- Depression era in the United States, Procter & Gamble, a little soap company out of Cincinnati, along with everyone else, they're, they're feeling the heat of, of the economy um, because obviously they reach a mass consumer you know, broad audience. So they had no effective way to reach their primary customer, which is the housewife, right? So they're in the home. They're just not reachable by a lot of conventional methods. So that was what they came up with. There was this new technology called radio. And their idea was let's deliver serialized fiction based around families, drama, um, suspense, cliffhanger endings every week, this kind of thing. And then when television showed up in the 50s, Procter & Gamble Productions, they literally have a media arm of the company. They still do, um, but it's evolved. Anyway, so they, they took Guiding Light, and I believe One Life to Live was debuted on television in the 50s. And there it went. Um, in the 
by the 1970s, soap operas were the most lucrative form of television that existed. And it was designed to sell Procter and Gamble's products. In 2010, Procter and Gamble stopped doing soap operas. It was the end of a very long and prosperous era. And now what they do uh, are websites like Man about that Man in the House or Man of the House because they're trying to sell him Head and Shoulders and Gillette and you know they're a much more diversified consumer product company now. And they're basically doing what we're doing. You know, as a global multinational corporation. So Procter and Gamble's, you know, no matter what you think of the company itself, it, it has some issues with reputation, but um, they have always been cutting edge at using content as a form of marketing. And at the dawn in 1994 of the world, the commercial web, the then CEO basically, you know, chastised the advertising agency and said, pay attention to the web. This is the future. And again, they're kind of leading the charge among the Fortune whatever. Are they Fortune 100? I guess they would be. They've got to be. Fortune 2. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Apple and Exxon are yeah. Fortune 2. <laughs> so, well, and, and a lot of the greatest classic advertising tell, tells a story. And so the greatest, the companies that just understand advertising better than anybody, like VW, Levi's used to be pretty fabulous, Coke has often been pretty fabulous. These companies that have, you know, if you think about the ads that you watched when you were a kid just because they were awesome, those are perfect for the web because people, you know, the the brilliant, beautiful, is it for the Passat? What is the, the ad with the, the, the little Darth Vader? Yeah, that's the, the I mean, it's the I most it's beautiful... But yeah, that was an awesome commercial. I think it's a Passat wagon. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It stands on its own. You show up for the story, and does it make you run out and buy a car? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but it it gives you a good feeling. And certain brands have always been very smart about that. Apple, Coca-Cola, Levi's, VW have always created advertising that tells these great stories um, and creates a great feeling. Now, that's... You know, and I agree with I agree that that's great advertising. It may or may not sell cars. It does make an emotional connection. But I think um, over time, content marketing, um, as we generally discuss it, is more powerful because it's more relevant. Is that is directly tied compared to your current pain or problem and to a potential solution as valuable information delivered by a real human being? Again, that you come to know, like, and trust, you give their products a, a, a look with a more favorable frame than you would ever have looked at that product or service otherwise. And that's powerful and, stuff. And it's not. It is, and it's, it's kind of cool because this is so, and we talked about this so much last week, this is so much the era of the little guy. Because VW is limited in how well it can use content. And it's rolling the dice in how much love transfers to the product. You know, I do think VW advertising has sold a lot of VW over the years, particularly the original Beetle. But it's you're always rolling the dice when you're a giant multinational corporation spending hundreds and hundreds of million dollars on ad campaigns. Whereas if you are a little like one person business, five person business, and you are creating this content that makes an incredibly personal individual connection with 
um, with customers, with buyers. Or um, Firefox. Firefly fans, right? Firefly fans. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Facebook fans of a couple of companies, and it's it's fantastic because, you know, they show their new um, – there's a dress company, and their new fall collection comes up. And I can get on Facebook, and I can say, I like the skirt. Can you tell me about the waistband? Um, you should do this. I want this in this color. I can't do that to J. Crew. you know? It's not going to work. They, they don't – J. Crew doesn't have that kind of bandwidth. They can't. They cannot make that work. Whereas this little cute dress company in Brooklyn that's just like some lady got a wild hair to make a dress and it kind of took off can do it. And so that's what's cool. And I think that's where content marketing allows a little company to compete with a KitchenAid or a Coca-Cola or, a, you know, a Passat. We have a lot more flexibility and we can use the tool much more effectively. The big brands are are really struggling to use the new tools. And some of them are doing it well, but a lot of them are not. Speaking of love, this show is sponsored by Internet Marketing for Smart People, the premier online marketing course delivered straight to your email inbox with love. The IMFSP course covers all the major aspects of marketing your business online, including email marketing, social media marketing, SEO, copywriting, networking, and much much more. Brian, what, in your opinion, is the single most valuable takeaway someone's going to get from going through the Internet Marketing for Smart People course? Well, first of all, I'd mention that it's free. We're not trying to sell you on buying this course. All you have to do is sign up, and it is yours in all 20 installments. But the single most thing you will take away from it is a process. Um, reading blogs, surfing, Googling various strategies, tactics, you get pieces, right? You get bits, pieces, little chunks of gold, and yet you don't know how to put it together. And as we've discussed before, the one downside to a blog is that unless you've been paying attention since day one, which never happens, (laughs) you know, you're, you're not really getting the whole picture. So, the great thing about the course is it gives you, it pulls it all together in a sequential process. And we've heard from so many people who are like, oh, the light bulb went off. Thank you. That to me, I would say that's the, the deal. And that's the way Sonia designed it. So, yeah, to sign up, just head over to imfsp.com. That's imfsp.com. You drop your email address into the little block box that you see there, and we're going to take care of the rest. Seriously, this one's a, a, a no-brainer. That's imfsp.com. Okay, guys, let's get into the tip of the week. Would you agree that once you've used a power drill, you can never go back? <laughs> oh, God. Why does he do this every week? Since I perform most of my household chores with a, a rock and a deodorant bottle, I would say no. Thank you for taking my question seriously, Sonia, because what we're going to talk about in the tip of the week is really, I love this analogy. It's, it's, it's the power tool of email marketing. Sonia, what is this and why should people have this in their toolbox, so to speak? Well, it, the power tool, the awesomeness, the ninja secret is um, what's called an email autoresponder. And sometimes people get confused because I'm not talking about the thing you put on Outlook that says I'm on vacation and I don't care if you email me or not. 
this is an autoresponder that's delivered by a service like um, AWeber is very good. MailChimp is very good. There are a number of email services that do a good job. And it delivers a sequence of messages. So the Internet Marketing for Smart People course is a sequence. The 200,000th person who signs up for the sequence has the same experience as the first person who signed up. And that's what makes it awesome because blogging is great. And I, I think blogs are a very, very good tool. They're an excellent um, attention tool. They're great for SEO. But writing at the top of your game week in and week out is difficult. And it's very difficult. And some weeks you don't, you know, some weeks you're just not as fantastic. And some weeks you you crush it. Some weeks you're really on it and you have your absolute best stuff and you're really on your game. And other weeks you miss the mark. The autoresponder gives however many you want in your sequence. It could be seven. It could be 700. I mean, there's people out there with autoresponders that are hundreds and hundreds of messages long. But it gives your best stuff to everybody, which is what's really cool about it. And Brian touched on that with the, with the Smart People course. A blog is, you know, something that lives in time. It's a little bit like a newspaper. Uh, content that appeared last month, no matter how great it was, is very hard to find. It's hard to, to pick out and share. Um, the email autoresponder puts your best stuff in the right order in front of everybody every time. So it's really – it's an awesome tool. If you're just playing with it, MailChimp actually, I think, still has a, a free option. I like AWeber. Some people like MailChimp. Other people have their own providers they love. But it is a great tool. Um, it's a great relationship builder. And in many ways, it's a better content marketing no like, and trust tool than the blog is because you give people a consistent, high-quality experience every time. Yeah, Sony, that, that is an excellent point um, because your blog content, you mentioned SEO, social media sharing, all of this stuff is like a really valuable attraction strategy, right? Yeah. We were talking about earlier about content marketing. First of all, people you know, give you some attention. They know you exist and that's part of knowing, but you know, giving something, you know, like there's other ways to do it. Of course, you could deliver a report or whatever, but the sequential broken up nature uh, over time of the autoresponder is analogous to what Procter and Gamble did with those soap operas, except the relevance and the value I think is, is greater. So it really does move you farther along that no like and trust thing. So it's really a next step towards yeah. whatever the ultimate goal is. And I love the point. I mean, we talk a lot about editorial calendars for the blog, for websites, for, for open sites in general. But I love the point of with an autoresponder, an email autoresponder, you're able to sit down, think through exactly systematically, like Brian said, and take the time. I mean, that could take you a week. It could take you a couple of weeks or, or more. But you can take whatever time you need to put this series of emails together telling your story in whatever way you do and once you put it up there it uh, as Sonia have you as you've said in the past it just keeps working like a mule for you day in yeah. day out forever when you're as lazy as I am this is a really nice quality oh so it's laziness actually oh yeah is the, no, it's is totally the, laziness the, okay okay yeah <laughs> that's the that's the key factor yeah uh, new new title chief laziness officer <laughs> yes oh man I'm keeping that Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in today. If you like this little show of ours, 
please do spread the word by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating and or a comment right now. We're still in the five-star only rating mode over there. So (laughs) if you're in a four-star or below kind of mood, just go ahead and apply that to someone else for the time being. We'll be there waiting for you when that five-star feeling comes back. Sonia? (laughs) That five-star feeling. You've got that five-star feeling. I really have a vision of this backfiring horribly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, people. Sonia, Brian, you are a woman and a man among women and men. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Morning, guys.